News Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number three here, the Pete Callender Show. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I appreciate it. The phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And uh, Twitter is at Pete Callender. And get the podcast, too. Remember, the podcast comes every hour is its own episode, and they come right to your smartphone or tablet as soon as the hour is over. Bernie works very hard, and, uh, well, uh, man, yeah, let's not get crazy. Right, exactly. I mean, yeah, so he, he will, uh, he'll, he'll take the content, pull out the ads, boom, send it up there, and then you get, uh, you get the whole hour in a half-hour format. We break the rules of the time-space continuum here. So uh, let me shift gears down into the local level. I had a couple of stories from the city of Charlotte. They are meeting tonight. The Charlotte City Council meets tonight. But uh, a couple things going on here. Uh, first off, there was a story which had a very interesting picture at the Charlotte Observer <laughs> with uh, uh, the mayor pro tem Braxton Winston and uh, the top votainer in the Charlotte City Council at-large race, Dimple Ajmira. And uh, historically, uh, the top votainer, the person who gets the most amount of votes in the at-large race, they become mayor pro tem. But uh, for some reason, I'm sure it has nothing at all to do with her race or ethnicity or anything like that. Dimple Ajmira was denied the mayor pro tem ship. Pro, pro tem pro tempore ship. Uh, the position. She was denied the position by her fellow Democrats. She did not have the support among her fellow Democrats who decided to blow up the tradition uh, and uh, give it to Braxton Winston, who then also got zero appointments to any committees on city council for some reason. I'm not sure why, except, I mean, the, the official story is that um, he, needs to, he needs to focus all of his time as the mayor pro tem now on this, on redefining what the position is, uh, which is to build consensus to build consensus. Okay, uh, newsflash, nine of the 11 members on the council are Democrats. If you cannot build consensus to get something passed with six of the 11, uh, is that really that big of a lift? Is it really that big of a job is to build consensus on the virtually all Democrat Charlotte City Council? Now, there was an interesting story by, uh, is it Jenna or Gina? I don't know. Uh, Contino, or Contino, yeah, Contino, Contino. Anyway, at the Charlotte Observer, headline, Democrats have an ironclad grip on Charlotte. What does that mean for voters? Well, I can answer that question. Nothing good. Right? Nothing good. Um, single party control. And like in Charlotte, it's almost there. Uh, the county, it's all Democrat. You, at least with the Charlotte City Council, you still do have two Republican members uh, of council, their district reps, but they they are in the meetings. And see, that's the key for me. That's the key. I don't like uh, a board that is made up one hundred percent of one political party, because your interests then are not the same as if you've got as if you've got competing political parties. For example, if you have the like Mecklenburg County Commission. You have uh, nine members, right? And um, they, uh, they're all Democrats. Well, 
if they've got some beefs with each other, they're not going to be as uh, interested in airing their internal dirty laundry outside of the political party infrastructure because it makes the whole party look bad. And so there is this interest in protecting the party brand so as to not do damage to the party brand. So they will have these fights, and and this fight over the mayor pro tem position, that was internal politics. That was internal Democrat Party politics that occurred, right? And we, as the public, we are not privy to that because we're not part of the party. We're not members of the Democrat political party. And uh, the number one voting block in North Carolina, as we know now, is the unaffiliated voters. So unaffiliated voters get get no uh, clarity, no insight into these inner machinations, which is why you want someone. And now so take this sort of uh, out of the mayor pro tem argument and take it to just a general issue. If you've got uh, an agenda item coming up, it's controversial and you get the Democrats all kind of pushing in one direction, they can have these discussions inside their political party and not air the dirty laundry. But if you've got a Republican on the board, they're in those, say, closed meetings. They're, they've got a sightline into these debates that the public generally doesn't. And then, hopefully, they, are, they have an interest in undermining the other party's brand so they will then divulge that information to the public. Because, yes, their political interests benefit from harming their political opponents, but it also provides us more transparency. This is why I don't like, and it doesn't matter to me if it's an all-Democrat or, or all-Republican board, you want to have somebody else in there who has a, a competing interest. And this, and, and this philosophy of mine, like I didn't come up with this. This is what the founders did when they built our system. Uh, they said you want to pit people against each other because their political interests or their, um, uh, their career interests or their, uh, their protection of their, their turf right, or, or of uh, the jurisdiction, like you want to pit the locals against the states and the states against the federal, and everyone's sort of protecting their own turf. And it is through that balance that the public is best served because of those competing interests. So Democrats have held the majority in Charlotte's local government now for two decades. But one left-leaning politician thinks Mecklenburg County was better off with Republican voices on the dais. Uh, yes, it was. It was. Charlotte Mecklenburg was better off when it had more political uh, diversity in their elected leadership. Pat Cotham, an at-large county commissioner, said communication among Mecklenburg County commissioners declined when Democrats in 2018 won all seats for the first time since 1964. Cotham, who is serving her fifth term, said she doesn't think 100% of any party is good and that a lot of Republican residents in Mecklenburg County feel they don't have a voice on the board. Now, all right, hang on a second. There is a perfectly reasonable explanation for why Republicans don't feel like they have a voice on the county commission. It's because they don't. Right? They don't. The Republicans, limited government people, they, they, we do not have a voice on county commission. 
or as uh, Democrats call it, democracy. That's <laughs> democracy. That's what they call it. This is uh, what they like to call it. This is fair. This is this is a fair makeup of the county, even though, you know, what, one out of five voters in Mecklenburg County are Republicans and even more are limited government types. But they don't deserve a voice on the county commission because reasons or something. Cotham said, when people feel like they have no voice, they are not happy. True. That is true. But Cotham's sentiments are not universal. Alrighty, so the Charlotte Observer does a story on Democrats' ironclad grip on Charlotte and what does that mean for voters. And uh, they start off with a quote from Pat Cotham, who is uh, generally, I think, if memory serves, she's like always the top votainer in the county commission at large races, um, finishing first each time. Uh, I believe so, but. Uh, Maybe not. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, anyway, but she, but she's popular. She gets reelected. She's in her fifth term. Um, and then remember, like, the Democrats screwed her over out of the chairmanship at one point. Um, and she said that she doesn't like all of the, uh, you know, every single seat on a body being controlled by one political party. And she said that she doesn't think 100% of any party is good and that a lot of Republican residents in Mecklenburg County feel they don't have a voice on the board. And as I mentioned earlier, there's good reason for her to feel that way. Uh, It's because that is correct. We do not. We have zero voice, no representation, taxation without representation. That's what we have. And Democrats are totally fine with this. Fair maps, I believe they call these. Fair maps that lead to a complete nine to zero Democrat controlled board of county commissioners. And uh, by the way, yes, you could in fact draw districts uh, to allow for uh, Republicans to have a seat on the board that is uh, comparable to their uh, registration, you know, uh, countywide, which is a standard, by the way, that Democrats have advanced when drawing districts at the state level. But for some reason, it doesn't it doesn't apply. That rule, that principle does not apply at the local level. Also, Democrats keep in place the at large seats and at large seats were created in order to minimize minority representation. So that's what Cotham's um, opinion was. The uh, uh, reporter uh, says that Cotham's sentiments are not universal, which I got a tweet here from Monica who uh, asked uh, are any views universal, which is a good question. And I replied to her, uh, besides the view that I am brilliant, uh, no, probably not. There probably are not any universal views. But, I mean, aside from that one. So uh, some elected officials in the uh, piece here who spoke to the Charlotte Observer said issues discussed at the local level rarely dip into party politics. Okay, so that's a lie. That's a lie. There are all sorts of things that dip into party politics because they're party politics. If voters want Democrats to represent them, 
that's who they should get, said Charlotte Mayor Pro Tem Braxton Winston. So, oh, this is a good first test of the consensus-building consensus builder. Let's see what kind of consensus-building he's going to offer. He says, quote, I'm not going to undermine the people. I don't think anyone governs from what the perspective of our party is. The idea that political parties kind of influence the ideas that are made on city council, I just don't see it. Hmm. Uh, This is, you could file this one under the category of the fish doesn't know it's wet. The fish doesn't know it's wet. This, this is the, this is just the, uh, the environment, the habitat that Braxton Winston is in. And so he doesn't even realize that there is another ecosystem and I'm not so sure that's something uh, or a blind spot uh, that the consensus building consensus builder should should have. Um, but I am curious. So let's run through this thought experiment that, hey, you know what? The people wanted it. So that's what we got. First off, you have to ignore the redistricting process and all of this. You also have to ignore the uh, the the use of an at large system, uh, which also then gives Democrats more power, which you know, to his credit, Braxton Winston has said that he would like to get rid of the at-large system. Now, he wants to get rid of it because of the vestiges of racism that are attached to the at-large mechanism. Uh, so he sees it as, you know, proof of systemic racism. But the the point of that is still the same, except now the minority view or the minority uh, population that you're trying to keep out of uh, control and away from the levers of power, they are Republicans. Right. Whereas in the past, it was Democrats trying to keep black people away from the levers of power. Now it's Democrats trying to keep Republicans away from the levers of power. That being said, let's run through a quick experiment. Um, Would you be okay if the entire city council or county commission were all white dudes? Would that be okay with you if they were all white Republican men? Or would you be saying we need to have some more representation so the body looks like and represents uh, the people of the city or of the county. Well, I know what your answer would be. I know what his answer would be because I've heard them say these very things. I heard him say these things. So you, you want a body that reflects the population. And I've done the numbers on this before. I've crunched the numbers on this. The uh, county commission should have more seats for Republicans, and so too should the city council. The Charlotte City Council should have somewhere in the neighborhood of about four of those seats represented by Republicans, just based on the voting habits. But if it means Democrats actually have to build consensus with Republicans, well, then, <laughs> well all bets are off. No, sorry. We're going to keep this, uh, this system based on the vestiges of racism. We've got to keep that in place if it means we keep Republicans out, I guess. While topics of religion and abortion rarely come across the local government dais, decisions still have partisan roots, according to Western Carolina University politics professor Chris Cooper. Quote, a bathroom bill causes tension between local and state governments. Questions about land use are ultimately very political. A lot of politics are partisan politics, but nobody wants to be perceived as partisan. Chris Cooper is exactly right.
this is interesting. You hear they're going to try to... They're going to try to send, like, some sort of... Uh, is it like a satellite or something up to hit an asteroid? NASA's going to try to, like, fling something at an asteroid to see about moving it off course or something. I don't, I don't know if Bruce Willis is involved. But... I got this email from Dan. He says, to borrow a calendarism, I'm just spitballing here, but what if while NASA is experimenting with their, hey, let's nudge the asteroid silliness, they'd succeeded in knocking it directly onto a collision course with another planet, maybe even Earth itself? Yeah, I mean, that would be like... That would be the most epic fail in world history, however brief that world history would be after the most epic fail, uh, sending an asteroid to the planet. Yeah, that would be pretty bad. Hey, remember, you can see Venus tonight. Or sorry, no, Jupiter. You're going to be able to see Jupiter tonight in the eastern sky at sunset. It's going to look uh, like half or like 60% the size nor or... 40% bigger. So, yeah, we didn't. You're going to be able to see it. I don't know with the naked eye. Look, I've never been able to see this stuff. I like. There's part of astronomy that I fa- that I'm fascinated with, but whenever people like they can look to the sky and say, "Oh yeah, this is whatever." I see that, and then uh, me never. No, I can never see it, um, and I, I don't have a telescope. So, um, all right, let me get back to this piece. And look, I appreciate this piece at the Charlotte Observer that it is at least asking the question. You know, hey, is this actually a good thing that the Charlotte City Council and the uh, the Mecklenburg County Commission is so dominated? The county commission is completely Democrat, and uh, uh, nine out of the eleven seats on city council are Democrat, and the mayor, and our our state legislature predominantly Democrats. I think there's one Republican uh, at the state level, and guys, that matters. That matters. It gets very difficult to get stuff done. In a state like ours, which is referred to as a mother may I state, you, you got to go through the General Assembly. There's not a lot of local control in North Carolina governance, which, by the way, was never a problem for Democrats when they had the majority. Now that Republicans have the majority, it's a threat to democracy. So uh, this piece goes on to quote Braxton Winston, the mayor pro tem, who, again, is the guy that's uh, going to be building consensus. Um, he was unanimously elected mayor pro tem this month by his fellow council members. And he said he has a responsibility to make sure everybody works better together. We have 11 people on the council that have 11 different governing lenses. My role as mayor pro tem is to work with my colleagues to again, make sure they have space where they can govern to the lens where they can govern from. Good Lord. Um, Democrats say they are not a monolith. But as time passes, policy builds on itself, said Chris Cooper from Western Carolina University. Quote, local politics are increasingly partisan politics, and we see that in urban centers like Charlotte. With 10 to 20 years of any party in control, policy will lean more liberal or conservative to match its leadership, he said. And Charlotte's Democratic leadership is coming of age. Mac McCorkle uh, who is uh, at Duke University, I believe. Um, yeah, he says, 
the possibility of college-educated left-leaning politicians growing out of touch with the working class is a that's a real possibility. This is a concern of his that you end up with, as I refer to it as like the Elysium Party, where you have this this you know the elites, and then you have the the working class that's like left down on the planet, having to mine all the precious resources for the elites that circle the planet in their elite spacecraft. Um, he says, uh, if the dominant party goes too left, there might be a chance for a union between moderate Democrats and Republicans. Okay, I doubt that because of the closed primaries, um, or not closed primaries. We have we do have open primaries, but because of the primaries, look, I'm a registered unaffiliated, but I. So I can go vote in Democrat primaries. Do I think that they go too far left for the Democrat voting base? No, because frankly, I'm not sure that's possible anymore in a Democrat primary. I don't think it's possible. Here's another example of it, not just the mayor pro tem vote, which was, you know, inside politics, literally party politics went on there. Um, Here's the other one. James Smudgy Mitchell. City Councilman Mitchell, despite significant evidence to the contrary, Charlotte City Council member James Smudgy Mitchell has repeatedly claimed to own a 25% stake in a local construction company, which, if true, would violate state law and has made Mitchell the subject of a state investigation. See, if, if you had a stronger Republican Party to make this argument, this would be The media would be forced to cover this all the time, all the time. I give credit for the outlets that have covered this and have tried to uncover what exactly is going on here, because as this reporter at The Observer asks, Michael Gordon asks, the question is, why is Mitchell making this claim? Records provided to the city from the construction company's lawyers indicate that Mitchell has neither the facts nor the law on his side. That Mitchell has lost his stake in the construction company named Bright Hope Construction, LLC, that he lost his stake after he failed to repay a loan that the company gave him. Money designed specifically for Mitchell to buy into the company in the first place. So the company gives him a loan of $375,000 that he's supposed to use to buy ownership of the company, and he didn't. What did he use the money for? He says he owns this percentage stake in the company, but the company says he doesn't. And if he does, then he's opened himself up to criminal prosecution because you're not allowed to have the stake in the company that's doing construction work on contract with the city that now you're a council member. Well, he got sworn in. So why would you set yourself up for criminal prosecution if you really believe you own this ownership stake? which, oh, by the way, the company says you don't because you didn't buy it with the money they loaned you. Where's the money? Where's the money? Without offering proof, Mitchell has continued to claim he is still a quarter partner, even though that assertion has placed him in potential legal jeopardy. But he apparently knows he won't. It's not going to, right? Not really. Like, I don't think he's going to get put in any kind of legal jeopardy here. If he doesn't own it, then he can make the claim. He's just lying, right? He's just lying about it. 
Under North Carolina law, it's illegal for a city to do business with a company if a member of the city's governing board owns more than 10%. In late December 2020, Mitchell became, and by the way, this is why, you know, because of the party politics dynamic, this is why people in the Democrat Party aren't calling out Smudgy Mitchell. They don't want to because they don't want to damage their own brand. So it's left to what the two Republicans, Ed Driggs and Tark Bakari. It's left to those two to try to make this more of an issue because all the Democrats are going to close rank on it. And they may have personal opinions about it on the side, right? They may talk to each other. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they have opinions about whether Smudgy is acting, uh, well, whether he's corrupted or not. I'm sure they have opinions about it, but they're not telling anybody else, right? Because they got to protect their brand. Here's an email to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Pete, I'm guessing that Bright Hope Construction loaned Smudgy Mitchell, city councilman, Smudgy Mitchell the money. He used it to buy the ownership stake in the company, but since he didn't repay it, they recalled his shares and called the loan paid and void. Yeah, I I don't know. According to the Charlotte Observer article uh, on the topic, Mitchell's motives remain unclear According to Bright Hope documents, which the Charlotte Observer obtained under a public records request, he's had no ownership role in the company since late March. Mitchell could challenge the status of his ownership stake in court. While he alluded to upcoming litigation, um, he and his attorneys have not taken legal action to get the matter before a judge. Later on, uh, in talking about the loan itself, December 29th, 2020, he accepts the job to run R.J. Leeper, uh, which is a subsidiary of Bright Hope Construction, as well as a sizable partnership loan from Bright Hope. Bright Hope says the loan was intended to cover the upfront costs of Mitchell's 25% par- uh, partnership stake. The loan agreement Mitchell signed said the company could demand repayment at any time. Otherwise, he had until December 31st, 2024 to repay the loan in full. It's just a three hundred something thousand dollar loan. You should, you could be yeah, you could pay that back in like a year, right? Two maybe. Yeah, sure. Uh, despite appearing, oh, hang on a second. I uh, skipped ahead. If he did not, the company would seize the collateral, which was identified as the member equity stake. Right. So that's what it sounds like occurred. But why then does he say he still owns this stake? He accepted the loan money from a company benefiting from city contracts, but that somehow or another never became an issue initially. Despite appearing to violate state law, he said he intended to keep his job and the loan and his city council seat. He said at the time he would avoid any conflicts by delegating management of whatever city projects the companies had. But that made up 60% of the company's portfolio at the time. So you just delegate 60% of the work to somebody else inside the business. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I basically do the same thing, right? Like, I'm not even really talking right now. This is one of my producers talking. That's (laughs) – let me go over here to Jerry. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jerry. Hey, Pete. I I would love to see um, residents of Charlotte show up to every city council meeting because as far as I I remember – they limit how frequently a person can make a comment at the city council meeting. 
So I would love to see people go to every single meeting and give some fake reason that they're going to talk and then say to Mr. Mitchell, where's the $375,000, Mr. Mitchell? But, but then, Pete, my, as you were talking through it just now, who owns that construction company? That what, I'm sorry, what? Who owns the construction company? Bright Hope or R.J. Leeper? Uh, no, the, the one that lent him the money. That's the, the larger company is Bright Hope, and he and R.J. Leeper is apparently part of that larger company. It's, I guess that's my understanding of it. Um, Mitchell lost his stake in Bright Hope. Um, did it one of Charlotte? Yeah, Mitchell became president and CEO of R.J. Leeper Construction, one of Charlotte's major black-owned businesses, which Bright Hope now owns and has an active contract. So Bright Hope is the larger company, and uh, R.J. Leeper is the one that essentially hired Mitchell, but then Bright Hope, I guess, acquired R.J. Leeper. R.J. Leeper, former, I mean, Leeper, Ron Leeper, was the former city councilman. So, so two questions. The bigger, the parent company, the parent construction company, who actually owns that? But then the other thing that I'm confused about is they took their $375,000 to give to Mr. Mitchell to buy into the company. Isn't that just kind of like they bought into their own company? As a loan. He was supposed to start paying. It was supposed to have all been paid back by the end of 2024. Right. The whole the whole thing smells. Yeah. So they gave him the loan. And I think this is uh, this mechanism, I think, is pretty common where you 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 pay for the upfront costs, but then you basically put them on a repayment program. So now they're 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 in as a partner, but they still own they still owe the loan. And if you get terminated before repayment, then they can either force you to repay the whole loan or they just seize the whatever's left as as the collateral, so you don't get the twenty five. Isn't it kind of fishy that they haven't sued him for that money? Well, they have it though. It sounds like they took back his equity. They took back the equity, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where the money went. That's why I'm asking. Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah, where where is the money? Where where did it go? It'd be great if the, that reporter who's doing all this great actual journalism could FOIA his tax records to find out if there's any disclosure about how, where he, you know, if he spent any of the money. Yeah, I don't think they get access to the tax records. Um, I don't think you can FOIA those. So I don't know. No, I know. I'm, 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 like, I'm like 99% certain you can't FOIA somebody else's income tax records. Um, and it's not required to produce them for a run for office either. Although uh, a lot of Democrats would like to see that be a requirement, at least for president, because they want to see Donald Trump's tax returns. In New York, they already got his tax records. Well, yeah, in yeah, some states have done that. If you want to try to run for office, you have to. Some states have done that, but not in North Carolina. You're not required to produce income tax uh, filings for a run. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the call, Jerry. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it because Mitchell is still saying things in public about how he owns these shares, but when it comes to direct action to protect that stake he's not taking them which is weird right like he's got he has a certain window of time that, that he needs to uh you know take legal action in order to protect himself and to keep you know this this uh this equity share but he's not doing it so i'm unclear as to what's going on again i like i'm, I'm curious to know like where did the money go how how was the money spent 
They gave you this loan. You turned around and what used it for the ownership stake or, or you did not. Are you not repaying it? Because it sounds like the company says, hey, we called the loan back and we just seized his 25%. We took that back from him. Well, all right, well, but where did the money go? Did he just keep the money? Is that the play? All right, uh, on the asteroid business, let me get over here to Jim. Hello, Jim. What's going on? Hey, Pete. Yo. Yeah, I uh, appreciate your comment about NASA attempting to knock that asteroid, you know, with one of their satellites, I think. Uh, but, you know, Pete, I think they ought to redirect that satellite to the SS, SLS rocket that they can't get off the ground down at uh, Kennedy. <laughs> why, would, <laughs> why, why would you redirect a satellite to hit us? Well, well, that rocket. Uh, well, Pete, that's a 10-year-plus program now. It's somewhere between $10 billion and $20 billion to, to take us back to the moon. This particular rocket, they can't get off the ground right now. Um, that, it, it's a test flight. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't even have anything on, on it or going to the None of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's a classic example, Pete. It's a great lesson in the federal government with unlimited money and printing money capability to just spend and do whatever they want to, regardless of the result. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. That's why I'm a big fan of the private space exploration projects underway. Elon Musk and uh, Bezos. Is he the other one doing it? I forget. Jim, I appreciate the call. Good chat. We'll see what happens with the uh, Operation Asteroid Interception. I I, I could not endorse sending it back to our planet. Good riddance, space junk. Don't break anything while I'm gone.